you know, you have to define your niche and build your own customer evangelist um, over time. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Would you like to start your own show? I'm thinking of developing an online video course teaching how to set up, produce and market your own show. If that might be of interest, dear listener, I would really appreciate if you'd take two minutes of your time to complete the questionnaire at startyourownshow.com. That's startyourownshow.com. The Big Interview with David Bain. Is email marketing still innovating? Will social ever overtake email as a reliable customer communications medium? And how has the increased use of mobile impacted email marketing? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask my special guest today, Ryan Buchanan. Ryan, welcome to DMR. Thank you, David. Uh, Really glad to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. Well, Ryan is CEO of EROI, a digital marketing agency which he founded to inspire and be inspired. His philosophy is all about stepping into client shoes with a business mindset first. And you can find Ryan over at EROI.com. So, Ryan, it's a nice four-letter domain you've got there. I see you registered it on uh, December 5th, 1999. Yeah, there's a whole story behind that, actually, where uh, I could I could talk for a while about that. But basically, way back in 99, an entrepreneur that was in the electronic radio, some sort of equipment, he had that domain, and we had a domain that he wanted, and we did a swap. Uh, in 2003 and so it's just uh, I think being in the digital marketing world it's naturally entrepreneurial and uh, so in that case we both ended up with what we wanted and and uh, it's been great <laughs> it's been plain selling from there yeah, um, not so, quite. <laughs> well um I'm sure you're quite comfortable talking about lots of different things to do with digital marketing, but um, we'd like you to focus on email marketing a little bit now. So um, is collecting email addresses still essential, would you say, for most businesses now? Absolutely. You know, I I think when I talk to some of um, of our marketing director uh, clients, the, um, the premise is that email is... It's kind of uh, there's a lot of opportunity to breathe innovation into it. It's uh, a database that you, as a marketer, own versus social. You're really just kind of renting um, your space on Facebook, Twitter, and all that. You don't own that database, and so it's a real opportunity to um, to have uh, a one-to-one conversation. And where we feel uh, like there, where we feel like a lot of brands fall short is they'll focus almost entirely on uh, short-term ROI, getting the revenue in quickly, and really sacrificing their brand um, and their and this very batch and blast approach. I think there's now a lot of tools that are in place that allow us to use the data that we're capturing out there from web and social and and using that to inform the content that's going to be really compelling so that you can both um, elevate your brand and get revenue in the same message 
and make the email all about the recipient, what's in it for them, and really tailor that content that's engaging on these other channels um, and, and playing that into email. Email is all, will always be an essential part of the marketing mix, just like search engine marketing and some of the other staples out there. It's interesting because um, when Facebook really first um, surged onto the scene, probably about 2007 or so, and in those couple of years after that, people were starting to say, will social interaction replace email completely? And many marketers were saying, no, it's actually more important to actually get followers on Facebook and get likes and um, interact with your audience there instead of actually gathering email addresses. So um, email address capture was possibly a little bit old-fashioned then, but um, it seems to have come round full circle a bit with possibly um, earlier on this year, Facebook um, deciding that um, organic reach on their pages weren't wasn't going to be as high. Um, so it was more challenging to interact with people who had liked you on Facebook pages. And perhaps, you know, because of that, over the last 12 months or so, um, companies have started to focus a little bit more on email marketing. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I, I don't know if the percentage is, I think it's less than 5% now of organic reach. Um, so for brands that are, uh, that that's on Facebook, um, for brands that are putting a lot of energy into that, you know, uh, 95% of the time, they're not reaching uh, their audience. So, um, I, you know, I just, I think that email, um, you see a lot of retail brands be way more upfront on their home pages and, um, and in their social channels of capturing email. Um, I think brands are starting to realize that um, they need to get more sophisticated in all the touch points that um, is possible in email when someone does sign up to be not just for their for a brand's newsletter, but to be part of their community uh, by giving their email address. Um, you know, there's an opportunity to have a welcome email series while that email recipient, that subscriber, is really interested in learning more about the brand, kind of opening companies that open their kimono be that are more human are getting better results both from a brand and um, ROI standpoint. So um, there's just, I mean, a welcome email series, a shopping cart abandonment, there's just so many different touch points as you map out a customer's journey of all the different ways that they can interact with you as a brand. Email has a lot of those touch points just as, um, you know, search and other other digital marketing channels do, um, but I think brands are just getting more sophisticated, and um, and so it's it's like I said, it's an exciting time to kind of breathe new life into an old channel. Mm. And of course, so many um, customers are looking at their emails on their smartphones nowadays as well. So they're possibly reading their emails much quicker than they used to, and perhaps even reading more of them as well. Um, do you think that companies are innovating fast enough to take advantage of that at the moment? Yeah, I think we're working really closely with our, um, we call our strategic ongoing clients, we call them partners of ours because it's a two-way street, but you know, whether it's partners like um, Fred Meyer Jewelers or Nike or others, um, we're th a lot of the more savvy brands are looking at mobile-first design and something we call the fluid web, um, which at a 
in a tactical sense, the fluid web is just optimizing your email um, to really be compelling um, on you know uh, your smartphone on any kind of viewport or or um, size of the screen that you're working with. So that's the tactical description of what we call the fluid web. The broader, more philosophical um, discussion around mobile and the fluid web is really enabling the internet to allow what it wants to do, which is communicate between two parties, a brand and a consumer, in this case, that we're talking about. And instead of having the barriers that are there, um, whether it's um, whether it's something tactical like the size of the screen that you're working with, or it's simply the, the message and the content that's relevant based on what you've learned about that, that uh, subscriber, to tee that up at the right time and you know on the right device. So we think about all of that with our, our partners um, in the email campaigns and the touch points that we do for them. Okay, you say what you've learned from your customers. So does that mean that you're a big fan of marketing automation then as well? Yes, um, I think marketing automation from a software standpoint often gets um, pigeonholed into a very B2B um, mindset uh, of the, you know, whether it's Pardot or Marketo or Acton or, or a lot of these tools, I think it's gained a lot more popularity um, in the business-to-business uh, -business world, but I see most of our clients and partners are on the consumer side primarily. And I see that that same mentality um, very quickly pervading into the B2C space of marketing automation as far as really using data across, um, you know, kind of a single view of the customer across what's happening in social and web and email to be able to learn from that data and tee up a really relevant, um, engaging email, in this case, to promote what we want the consumer to do, which is a lot of times to either engage in the community. It's either engagement or a commerce um, goal that we have when we work with our, our clients. And um, would you say it's appropriate um, to ensure that you communicate just good value content with new subscribers for a certain quantity of emails before actually going down that route to trying to get a sale? Or is it um, reasonable, um, depending on the circumstance, to actually ask for a sale fairly quickly? So it, it depends on what um, what's driving that email. So if it's, uh, you know, for example, you um, it's holiday time right now that we're talking, and uh, I'm searching for a gift on, um, on Nike.com, and I bail out of that process, you know, how I'm, maybe I bailed out because I had to run out the door, um, maybe, you know, so in that case, it's really key for, uh, for an email to come to remind me, hey, you were thinking of buying this, like, um, you know, it, it, here, here's an email that's teed up for you to buy this now. So in that case, absolutely, a commerce message that's pretty to the point can um, can both deliver on a brand and a revenue perspective right there. But there are other cases where it's purely a social engagement um, expectation. I guess it depends on the expectation of the subscriber of whether it should be more of a brand engagement message 
uh, or a more commerce um, kind of to the point message. Okay, and when a business is collecting email email addresses, um, it's easier to collect more when they don't ask for a first name as well as an email address. But of course, that means that um, certainly for the first few communications with that recipient, they're not going to be able to personalize the email correspondence by incorporating that name in emails. Um, so there's pros and cons there. What side of the fence do you tend to lie on in terms of actually asking for a name as well as an email address within that initial opt-in process? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, some of the uh, some of the execution that I've seen on that, that as a consumer and subscriber that I really enjoy is uh, it's kind of in the, the philosophy of progressive uh, disclosure or capturing more and more about your profile a little bit at a time. So if um, in some cases uh, you're capturing email address only, um, the uh, the thank you email as well as the next um, step, uh, like a step two of the of the website that's captured your email is to ask for your name and company and a few other elements of information right then when you're interested, both on the website and the thank you email. So I feel like there's a lot of ways to execute upon um, increasing the conversion rate while still capturing enough profile information to enrich that profile. Um, and then also having a robust pr a preference center that isn't overwhelming, but is inviting and, and like I said, uh, gradually enriches that profile um, of email, then first name, last name, and company, and whatever other information is key to capture um, both on the demographic side. And then, then we can talk about the behavioral information that we're capturing through an email tool, as well as behavioral information and engagement information that we're getting in other channels like social and uh, through Google, Google Analytics and things like that. Okay. Uh, I'm now, I'm aware that um, tools like um, HubSpot, for example, um, will offer that functionality, but more basic um, email marketing services or, or companies that just focus on email marketing like Aweber and MailChimp, I'm not aware that that functionality is integrated into their offering. Um, are, are, are you aware that it is or are there other companies that you can actually recommend for this? You know, I, uh, I, that's a good point. I, as an agency, we do this for our clients, um, and our clients tend to be mid to larger size, so they're not using um, tools as often, uh, like Mailchimp and Constant Contact and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I I don't know of some of the smaller business email only tools that provide those kind of sophisticated um, progressive disclosures of uh, uh, subscriber centers and stuff like that. Well, um, if you're watching Mr. Aweber or Mr. Mailchimp, then perhaps that's something that's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, um, what about um, in terms of going for the initial opt-in to begin with? Um, how aggressive do you think it's appropriate to be? Because obviously we've all been on websites where there's popovers and it's hard to actually do anything on a website before um, you actually insert an email address to opt in. Um, there's probably less aggressive ways like like uh, exit intent or maybe just having an email opt in at, at the bottom of a page. Um, 
where do you think the line is in terms of uh, annoying people or actually uh, appearing at the right time to actually request that contact information? Yeah, I th you know, so, um, we have uh, made recommendations for our retail brands on um, basically testing and experimenting with a certain time delay on the home page, whether it's, you know, five seconds or, or potentially uh, upon scroll, um, you know, down the, uh, down the page and things like that before, um, before having a, a pop-up or anything or not a pop-up, but, um, you know, a modal window to come up to, to grab that, uh, that opt-in. But I, I guess my quick answer would go back to really testing um, testing that to see a what performs um, without getting to that annoying factor. Okay, yeah, I mean that that's an ideal split test, I suppose. Um, and another thing that a business can test, I suppose, is also whether or not they should be sending fairly plain text email newsletters or quite um, image heavy HTML newsletters. And I guess it depends on the businesses as well, but. Are you seeing businesses in general just move to HTML newsletters rather than actually use simple plain text? I mean, that that question has come up for... So I started Eroy 12 years ago, and I feel like that, that question was more prominent back then when there were more B2B brands that um, had an audience that wanted to cut to the chase and, and have a very stripped down text only email. Uh, the companies that we work with, I feel like that isn't even really a question because a lot of the ISPs like Gmail and Yahoo and, and others that have consumer brands, they're already doing a lot of that work for consumers in the inbox, meaning that they're um, coming as default, stripping out images and things like that. So, um, and they're kind of already optimizing the experience. So we're trying to go the other way and, um, you know, have looking at the experience of what you would experience in the inbox um, if you uh, potentially could even receive video in your, in your email inbox or if that's stripped away that you would see uh, an image um, that you know, uh, might uh, have CSS animations in it, or if that's stripped away, then you would see alt tag, all um, alt text for that image. You know, it's looking at how can we tee up the most compelling, both visually and the message that's coming across through all of the different ways that it can reach the inbox, no matter how much is stripped out of it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really when you're designing an email. You're, you're thinking about all the devices it's going to be on, all the different sizes. You're thinking about, you know, if images are stripped out, you're thinking about, like, how in all of those cases can I get my core message across and have someone take action on it, even if it is almost plain text at the end of the day. Mm. 
Because, of course, the really challenging thing about email is it's not just about the device type um, that you're looking at that email message on. Um, there's so many different types of email software. Um, you've got Outlook, you've got Gmail, you've got Hotmail and um, loads of other um, email programs as well. And every single email program is going to render that email slightly differently and deal with yeah. images or, or, or video if you want to show that. So it's an incredible challenge. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, let's um, let's wander over to the second section of our discussion. So that focuses okay. more on um, your thoughts and um, in general in digital marketing and uh, what's happened and what's going to happen in the future. So starting off with software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? No, that's great. Um, you know, at Eroy, we are all about collaboration here. We really um, you know, even though we're all based here in Portland, Oregon, um, you know, our clients are all over the country, uh, sometimes um, all over the world, but for the most part here. And so the tools that we use to collaborate the most, ironically enough, um, this interview right now is on Google Hangout. So we are big fans of Google. Um, we cannot live without Google Docs. So that is um, our pitches are done on Google Presentation and Google spreadsheets and um, you know every kind of uh, Google Doc imaginable. Um, even running my business, I use it for a daily financial dashboard. is uh, all inputted through um, a Google spreadsheet. Um, we also use tools um, like um, similar to Basecamp. There's a tool called Asana that's an open. Um, an open source tool that allows for really good um, project collaboration. Um, from a time traffic tracking tool, we use Harvest. Um, on the email side, we couldn't live without a tool called Litmus that um, shows how an email is going to render the images on and off in uh, 40 different devices and sizes and um, all of that. It's super valuable. Um, it also gives all kinds of tracking on mobile versus non-mobile and things like that. Um, being in the um, LinkedIn, uh, I use that for research every day um, significantly. I think it's an incredible research and business development tool. And then um, the two ESPs, email service providers, that we license their software and use the most are Exact Target um, and secondarily um, Blue Hornet. And then Google Analytics for our own marketing. We, you know, it's such a great tool. So. The, that's a few that I can't It, it is. In fact, I've been counting them. I think that's eight. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, th I think you win the competition so far. I think this is about my 75th interview, and um, I think you've won the competition so far in the quantity of yeah. software recommendations there. But I've got one more slightly challenging question for you, and that is um, okay. what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you've intended to try at some point in the near future? Sure. I, you know, for the size of company that we are, we're 33 employees. Um, we're in that in-between state where we have a lot of clients that use Salesforce.com, and um, I know that it's super robust and it would be very valuable. But frankly, we don't have a lot. We have a pitch team. We don't have a large Salesforce. But I, when we grow a little bit more, I do think that that would be a tool that would be really helpful to use. 
Okay, great. Uh, well, I'll include links to all of those software recommendations in the show notes next to this podcast on digitalmarketingradio.com. Um, but let's move on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? You know, um, before I started Eroy, and that was, you know, so we're talking about over 12 years ago, uh, I had a friend who was, we had kind of partnered up to create our own brand around um, selling shoes online, for example, like different niches of shoes. And I can tell you that it is so hard creating an e-commerce retail brand from scratch. Um, You know, it's just, I think when you oversimplify it as an entrepreneur, it just seems like, oh, we've got a partner in place to fulfill the product. Uh, you know, we just need to create a brand and, and sales will come. And I feel like there's a thousand things that you need to do well to get a business off the ground, whether it's, you know, uh, organically growing your email database, it's, you know, leveraging your LinkedIn network. It's, you know, it's all the things that a scrappy entrepreneur would do, but with some savvy around, um, creating a brand and marketing it. So is that um, you wouldn't have gone into e-commerce um, if you'd known then what you know now? Well, I'm, I'm, no, I guess what I'm saying is I, I love the consultative role that I have now in the agency that I run, um, and I feel uniquely qualified to do that. Um, I, I guess I'm just giving props to uh, our clients who are have started – well, they're way beyond starting a product-based company that is selling online, but it, I, it just, it, it's not something where you can just get sales overnight. It, you know, you have to define your niche and build your own customer evangelist um, over time. And um, so, I'm glad I run an agency, and I found it very difficult to run, to start a product company from scratch. Okay, so it's just a business probably with so many different moving parts, and um, it's it's not um, certainly an overnight success type business as well. So, um, yeah, but let's move on to... The This or That Round. So, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction here. So, ready to go? Yeah. Email or Twitter? That's obvious. Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Uh, I always telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Hmm. Start local before you go global. Yay! So what was it about um, email contact form or telephone number that was particularly challenging? Well, I, I, the way that I interpreted that question is capturing the phone number. I just feel like if you look at the value of an interaction with a potential client, um, 
if you get that person on the phone, that you you're bound to have a more fulfilling conversation than um, a kind of a cold email. So I guess I guess the way I read that is capturing what field would you capture on a form? Would you if you can capture the phone number, then that that can be a really valuable, um, meaningful conversation via phone versus uh, email only. You know, uh, it's it's not you're not going to get quite as far with someone with just a cold email. Sure. Yeah. No, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, and I guess my mindset behind it was um, a lot of businesses um, maybe a few years ago didn't put a contact telephone number on the website um, because um, they hid behind their brand and they didn't want to put themselves as the face of their business. Um, so um, I, I guess it was, you know, whether or not um, you wanted businesses or potential clients to get in touch with you via that contact form or um, from a telephone number on your website. Yeah, I mean, obviously both is absolutely ideal and it's they're both are so easy to implement um so that that would be my okay well moving on to the ten thousand dollar question um if i was to give you ten thousand dollars and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business um what would you spend it on and um how would you measure success yeah um i would spend it on a strategic marketing plan um so really getting clear, um, doing an assessment of um, what I'm doing or what my brand is doing across all the different social channels, email and web, and then um, finding recommendations and then mapping the customer journey, mapping where I can, um, the personas of my, my the exact person that I want to reach, like what not only what their title is and all of that, but like, what do they like to do on the weekends? And like really getting to know that person really well and then mapping my marketing plan to that person of what conferences I'm gonna go to, what, how I'm gonna roll all this out. So I feel like a lot of times as marketers and entrepreneurs, we jump to the, we uh, we call them at Eroy, we call them the tactic zombies. We immediately jump to the tactic zombies Mm -hmm. and I could have easily said, oh, I would do this email campaign and it's like, no, I mean, having a really clear and detailed plan along with an executional um, marketing calendar of how I'm going to how I'm going to execute that is going to uh, achieve long term success versus diving into the tactics and doing uh, chasing the red shiny ball, which may not get me to my goal short term or long term. Okay, so, so if, you, if, if you did that and you focused on your marketing personas and you started to build your content around that and your communication messages um, around that ideal persona, um, yep. would the effect on, effectiveness of doing that be measured by comparing your conversion rates um, before and after? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, we would look, there's so many different metrics that you could that we as digital marketers look at, I mean, through an email lens, um, there it's also looking at an attribution model of um, what kind of revenue is can we tie to our email efforts versus you know social efforts versus um, you know uh, search and display and things like that. So revenue is obviously key, but even if, if we're in a B two B 
business, then I'd look more at you know leads and and prospects and how qualified those leads are and things like that. But um, there's just a progression of um, uh, key performance indicators that are uh, some are more important than others. I, ultimately, you want to get to leads or revenue, but there are other engagement metrics. There's you know, uh, active engaged subscribers, there's click-through rates and open rates and, and lots of things that you can track, but ultimately you need to get to your primary goal, which is usually going to having marketing support, uh, revenue growth, uh, and, and also long-term brand um, engagement met metrics. My number one takeaway. Well, Ryan, you've offered a, a lot of great advice in our conversation, but What's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Great. Yeah, I think the number one takeaway is asking why um, to always get back to that core, that core goal that you want to accomplish. Like, why am I doing this? Why, why email? Why search? What? You know, how am I being strategic instead of just jumping right in and doing and doing, you know, like I said, the red shiny ball before of a of a Pinterest campaign or a Foursquare or whatever, you know, is that really going to get me to my goal? If so, great. But like, let's always go back to asking ourselves why. And I think that. Um, guiding advice will always will kind of stop you, make you think, and then will guide the right decisions for you. Okay, no great advice. Now uh, I'm sure you're a fan of um, integrating marketing efforts and um, integrating small departments within a digital marketing team with other areas of the business as well to really understand what's going on. Yep, absolutely. Great. Okay. Well, yeah, thanks. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thanks so much for your time, your your focus and your advice. Um, what's the best way for our listeners to find out a little bit more about you and uh, what you do? Yeah. I, well, my uh, personal email address is ryan at eroi.com, but our website, eroi.com, and um, we're really active on um, the social channels that we choose to be really active on our LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and from our site uh, or any of those, you can you can find us. So, and and also sign up for our email newsletter too. Um, it's not just a newsletter; it's really being part of a community and some unique thought leader type of events that we're driving here in Portland. Digital marketing radio.